right, so it's 3.02, and I think because um, this committee has not met since your appointments were made, I'll call the meeting to order at 3.02, and um, uh, oops, perhaps we need to um, do the organization of committee before we do the approval of the minutes. Do you think so? That makes, makes sense. All right. Um, so at this point, um, it would be up to the committee members to nominate a chair so that we can proceed with a chair. Well, I'll nominate Laura. I'll second. <laughs> <laughs> and all those in favor, say aye. 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 Motion passes. Um, okay, next agenda item then would be consider approval of the minutes from October 27th, 2021, our last Economic Development Committee meeting. Those were in your packet. I'll move to approve them. Second. That was Laura. Yep. I, you can see all. Okay, I was going to oh. say, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Wendy still? <laughs> all right. Is there any uh, discussion? Everyone in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, the minutes are approved. Okay. And, oh, I'm sorry. And now we can move on to agenda item number four, which is to consider, should be FY24, budget recommendations to the full city council for community development assistance funding for our arts organizations. And we have five of them here this year again, the Englert, Film Scene, Riverside, Summer of the Arts, and the UNESCO City of Literature. And um, by just way of introduction, I guess, the city has supported these organizations for uh, many years in the past because they uh, align so well with your strategic planning priorities in building our community and making it a place that people want to live, people want to come, people want to do business and, and uh, um, make Iowa City what it is. Um, so uh, every year we have them come and give a short report of about five to ten minutes or so and um, that goes along with their request for continued support and all of the materials that they submitted in support of that request are, uh, all of those materials are in your packet. Uh, if you had any questions on those uh, or anything that any of them uh, would be sharing with you today, be sure to speak up and ask. I thought we would go in alphabetical order. Um, so what I'd like to do then, I guess, is invite um, uh, John Schickadance from the Englert Theater up to any mic. We have several of them, John. <laughs> yes, take, take a choice. Uh, Wendy, just to just, yeah. I have a little procedural matter to interject. Okay. Um, so my husband serves on your board, John, so I'm going to recuse myself from this portion. And since Megan is on John's board, she's going to recuse herself from that portion. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and leave. And John, you want to take over presiding okay. if necessary? Right. <laughs> Thank you. Will you be in the conference room up here? Um, Do you I think? Or? some water outside oh, in the lobby. Yeah. OK, Thank we'll you. track you down. Thanks. <laughs> 
Am I good to go? Go ahead, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, first of all, for allowing us to come and speak to you again and for your ongoing support. Um, this last year was a big year for the Ingler. We reopened after 18 months of being closed. Um, and when we reopened, we, we did it in big style. We um, have increased our programming since reopening by 30% to have our busiest calendar year ever. And so with me coming on board as the new ED, we took that time to really focus on who we are as an organization and um, our goals for the future. And we've done a lot of work to solidify our programmatic vision and really try to wrap our brains around what we're trying to achieve in this community. Um, that work is still ongoing, but we're really excited about the direction that we're taking. Um, and part of that work really allowed us to review, you know, who are we reaching, who are we bringing into the community, and things of that nature. So I provided some details in the report that I gave. Um, but we've actually seen a large increase of people coming into the area from outside of Iowa City as our patronage. And now 25% of our patrons come from 100 miles or more away, which is pretty incredible to us. And so that's something that we're looking into and seeing how we can sustain and make sure that, it, um, that we continue to bring people into the downtown area. Um, and, and continue to support a thriving downtown economy. Um, we have traditionally held several festivals, and that's something that we are looking at and reviewing to see what steps we want to take as we move towards the future um, and, and what role we want to play in that arena. We understand that there are some big opportunities and um, you know, in bringing people together and making sure that we're presenting art that challenges people and um, and um, supporting emerging artists and things like that. So we're really taking this year to identify what course are we on and how do we want to sustain that into the future? Does it take on a festival format? Is it um, something different? We're really looking hard at that. Um, so I've talked a lot about the work that we've done, but I also want to talk about kind of the results that we've seen over this last year. Um, I mentioned that we increased programming pretty substantially. Unfortunately, what we've seen is that ticketing did not come back to pre-pandemic levels immediately, and it still has not come back. I often say that before the pandemic, we were really good at predicting what audiences would do. We could you know, send out an offer to an artist, bring the show to the theater, and we would have a pretty good indication of what the audience size was gonna be. That is gone. The pandemic really affected that, and we continue to see volatility in the market as a result of that. So to date, we are still seeing about a 30% decrease in ticketing since 2019, um, but we're also seeing more people come into our theater than ever before. And let me explain that. There's more people because we have more programming, right? But the average per show is still down. So it's presenting some real um, budget challenges that we're reviewing and trying to identify how we can control going into the future. Um, and we're really hopeful that we'll be on a good path moving forward. But the challenges presented by the pandemic have not ceased. And we anticipate that they will continue, obviously, through the end of this year, probably through the end of next year as well. But then we hope to see some real changes 
coming towards the end of next year. Is now the time for questions? Yeah. Are you looking to um, kind of maintain your increased programming? We are, that's a great question. So one of the things that we're looking at right now as we solidify that programmatic, programmatic vision is much of the increase has come directly from Inkler present shows. Those are the shows where we're reaching out and saying, hey, come to our theater and present. We really have an interest in building out a full-blown educational program um, and rental programming. And so while we think that the sustained programming will increase, education and rentals will play a larger role in that increase. I don't have any questions. I just would like to compliment the work uh, the Inglert is doing, along with all the others who are present here. I mean, I, I'm really uh, very impressed and grateful for the kind of collaborative effort that I see among our cultural institutions and um, and how um, you know they they are viewing themselves as more than simply a venue for entertainment, but a place to really contribute to our, you know, our culture in an engaging way and challenge us as a community. Um, and then I always like, you know, the, I remember last year mentioning some of the shows that I've been to over the last year and uh, Catfish Keith is one that came to mind because, partly because he just moved in across the street from us. So, <laughs> He's you know, a neighbor now. We had just met him as a neighbor and then uh, went to see him perform, and I had not seen him perform before, so I was kind of blown away at this transformation of my neighbor into Catfish Keith. <laughs> anyway, it was a great show, and uh, it's a great place to, to see a show, so thank you. Thanks for joining us and for your support. I neglected to say that in the packet I had included a, a chart of past our past funding and um, I also uh, when inviting everybody in for this year uh, shared the caveat that we were going to have a really difficult budget year uh, coming up and um, that it would be difficult for staff to recommend an increase in funding so thus the Engler the Englert has um, remained status quo in their request and that is 50,000 for um, general operations of the theater and 20,000 for their uh, signature festivals. All right. Um, do I hear a motion to? Motion to approve. To approve. So moved. I will second that. And um, this is to approve the $70,000 um, contribution. It's actually to approve a recommendation to full oh. council for the $70,000 right. in the budget. Right. So that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all those in favor say aye. 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 Motion passes. Thank you. Thanks, John. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. Next would be Andrew. Uh-huh. F. All right. E F. <laughs> Let's wait till Laura comes back. Oh, sure. <laughs> is this mic? Oh, great. There it mm -hmm. is. Yep, pick a mic. 
Um, this is Andrew Sherburn with uh, Film Scene, and they're requesting uh, 25000 for operations as they have in past years, and an increase um, for the Refocus Film Festival, which I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about, uh, from 7000 to 10000 for this coming year. Andrew? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, just echoing some of John's comments from the Englert uh, point of view, uh, similarly, film scene, this, is, this has been both a, a tremendous year for us in terms of kind of coming back to life in that space, but also continued challenges coming out of the pandemic. Um, I guess I'll, I'll hit on a few things here that I think are just, you know, as... Uh, to state the obvious, I guess to start with, it, it is it is a continued uh, challenging time financially for the organization, and we're still not, um, you know, only only kind of balancing the budget thanks to continued support and relief funding, specifically from the federal government and, and other sources. Um, but some of the good news from this last year, uh, looking at our at our overall attendance, we did reach we had fifty seven thousand people come in last year, which was an all time high for us. So even though um, attendance nationally at movie theaters is is still low, um, the industry is still coming back to life. Um, it's still, even with that, because of the expansion that we engaged in in 2019 and opening the Chauncey, this last year was our first full year that we ever had that space open. So we did have more people coming downtown to see movies than we ever have before. So I think that is definitely um, a success for this past year. Uh, as we look at other um, industry peers and looking at the trends in the industry, the industry right now is about 55 to 60% of pre-pandemic level which means there's a lot of room to, to grow. But our attendance numbers indicate that we're a little bit higher than that, that we're seeing about 65% of the numbers that we would have previously expected. So to me, that says that hopefully we're doing good work, uh, but also that, that we're engaged with our community and that they're responding. And, and some of the very specific community-oriented programming that we're engaged in, uh, I think, is bringing people out. Um, this last year, uh, we had a record number of students in our summer camp. Uh, we also maintained a commitment that we've had since the very first year of that camp to match 100% uh, of scholarship requests that we receive, either for partial or full scholarships for that program, so we've never said no. Um, Again, partnering with the Iowa City Parks and Recreation this year on Film Scene in the Park, which is uh, right across the street. Uh, every other Saturday from uh, from May through October, free movies in the park. Um, uh, and that's that's a program that uh, began thanks to the support of the Iowa City Parks and Recreation Department, but uh, Film Scene funded that program this last year, um, but kept it free for, for the community. And over 2,000 community members will, will have taken advantage of that by the time uh, our last film plays in a week and a half. Uh, we also um, have been engaged in, in some surveys uh, of the community to see how we can better serve them. Uh, and then a program that's new this year, uh, Community Collaborations, which was launched with the support of um, our local Green State Credit Union. Uh, but that program was designed specifically to work with uh, nonprofits and community organizations to show films that might further their missions and to generate conversations within our community. Uh, it's something that we've always done, but we put a little bit of a framework around it this year so that it was easier for those partner organizations to come to us with a request to screen a film and easier for us to say yes and kind of create the, the sort of event that would better 
generate conversation rather than worrying about the costs because those can be very costly one-time events. Um, so those have been uh, incredibly successful. We aim to do 20 of those this year and we hope to do it again next year and we've seen thousands of people come in not just to see films but uh, to raise money for other local nonprofits and community organizations and to start conversations in our community. Uh, so that's that's been a great addition this year. And then lastly, the big thing that we did this year, um, which um, finally happened, was the launch of our Refocus Film Festival, something we've been coming to council for three years saying, we're going to do this thing. Um, but we finally made it to, to a point where we could launch it. It happened just a few weeks ago, and uh, it was really successful. Um, we. I think uh, just positive vibes from everyone involved, but also uh, we had 2,100 people come to that festival. Um, there's a little, uh, in this packet here, you'll see uh, a chart of where those people came from. Um, just with the ticket data that we could track, 23% of those attendees came uh, from outside of our market. So, you know, movie theaters generally um, draw people from, from close in. That's just the nature of the business. But one of the things that we aim to do with this festival is bring people for multiple multi-day stays in Iowa City. And so 23% of attendees to the festival came from outside of our market. And there were actually 22 different states represented among those ticket buyers. So, um, you know, that was, the, uh, I think, a real pleasant surprise. We weren't sure that we would have that immediate sort of reach outside of our market, but um, but we did. Um, and I just talked to the uh, folks over at Produce Iowa, which is the uh, state film office, and uh, it looks like uh, just in our, uh, our first year, we're already the second largest film festival in Iowa in terms of attendance and something that we hope to continue to grow. So um, I think that's... That's all I've got to say, and uh, I guess I will say in conjunction with the funding request, I know that uh, that budgets are tight, but uh, we had presented a three-year plan for the growth of that film festival, and, and that, is, uh, that is why we continue to ask for a, a small increase for the second year in terms of festival funding, and, and we hope that council can do that. I wanted to bring up one thing also that I included in the packet, and that is that um, this year, using ARPA dollars, uh, American Recovery, or sorry, Rescue Plan Act dollars, uh, the Think Iowa City organization, or the Convention and Visitors Bureau, is doing a tourism grant, uh, or is offering tourism grants for organizations like actually probably all of yours um, would be eligible, and they have grants for up to $30,000. So. If uh, our budget lines stay static, that might be an opportunity for you as well. Anyway, on with your questions if you have any. I just have a clarifying question to make sure, sure. that I'm looking at the right um, table. Last, for your three-year plan for the refocus, it was 7,500 last the first year, 10,000 this year, and then 12. Correct, okay. yes. Thank you. I just want to make yeah. sure I was looking at the right yeah, spot. Yeah, so year one was the year that just, just happened just happen. a couple yep. weeks ago. Are we uh, taking these one at a time, Wendy, since I missed the, yes. the first one? Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> Other uh, questions, thoughts for Andrew? I have a question for staff then. Um, I understand you're recommending level funding for all the organizations. Is that, so that would be at the $7,500 level for the refocus portion for this, or is that at the requested level based on the prior um, I had, request. <laughs> I had uh, staff is recommending same level as last year, okay. so that would be the seven, and I believe it's seven thousand, or is it seventy-five? 
I think we'd, we'd requested 75 last year, but it came through as 7,000. Okay. Yeah, 7,000 was what is in your memo, Wendy. Is there a, a motion from a committee member to for a funding level? At which level? The, the, well, I'm seeing the, the 7,000, the 32,000 is what I'm seeing in the, is that what we're talking mm -hmm. about? Mm -hmm. 25 plus seven. I'll second. Any other discussion? Hmm? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any thank opposed? Okay, hey, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, next up will be Adam Knight with Riverside Theater. Hey folks, good to see you again. Um, well, I'm pleased to report that since I last saw you all, um, Riverside has opened our new venue downtown, uh, which has been a great uh, new chapter for us in our 42nd season. Um, we welcomed more than 6,000 patrons, both to our downtown um, location and to the park this summer. Um, one of the highlights of this spring was Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Uh, this was a 10-person musical based on War and Peace. Uh, we're in the City of Literature, and it felt right and celebratory to open the season with a big splash. It also had a nine-person orchestra. This was the kind of play we never could have done at Gilbert Street for a variety of reasons, not the least of which was just um, backstage space. Um, we had three equity actors on our stage, which also highlights, I think, one of the unique things about Riverside. We're the only theater left in Eastern Iowa that employs equity actors. That's the professional union of actors um, here in America. And we were also one of only three theaters last spring that got the rights to that musical. They were very tight with it. It just um, kind of left the commercial sphere um, where uh, the producers of the Broadway musical were still holding on to the rights. And so we had to jump through a lot of hurdles, but I think it really speaks to Riverside's national reputation um, in the fact that we were granted those rights. Um, it also highlights, I think, some unique challenges for both the theater industry and for our venue. Um, we're still only 150 seats, and so yes, we had a sold-out run of a musical. It was our biggest hit in a number of years. We had more than 1,500 people attend, and we lost $28,000 on the musical. Um, that, I think, is maybe um, indicative of, of Riverside's challenges moving forward. Ticket sales remain about 40% of our um, annual income. Uh, that's not entirely outside the norm for um, not-for-profit professional theaters, um, but for us, it's um, made about 10% harder because of Free Shakespeare. Um, that said, Free Shakespeare is one of the real jewels of our programming. Um, it represents a more than 20-year partnership with the city, um, working with the Parks Department at the festival stage, and for the last four years, since 2018, that's been free. Um, this past summer with Henry V, we um, expanded um, performances from two weeks to three, and we welcomed uh, 2,271 patrons. Um, those patrons surveyed, uh, of the patrons who filled out surveys, 50% said they'd never attended a Shakespeare performance before. Um, that's huge for us, and I think that um, 
part of the success of that program has been eliminating any financial barriers to attendance. Um, not only do pat patrons can simply walk up and attend, so it really has increased our ability to have particularly people with, with young children attend and, and not have to think about getting a sitter or, or what happens if the kids start screaming and all that stuff. We, we find that um, it's really helped increase um, student and, and, um, and young children uh, attending Shakespeare, many of them for the first time. Um, we believe as part of our mission that a great city deserves serious theater, and since reopening um, downtown, we've renewed that commitment. Um, in the season that just ended, we employed 100 artists, 79 of them local. Um, for many theater makers here, we are the only means of compensa compensation for doing their art. Um, many other theaters in the region employ particularly performers on a volunteer basis. We pay everyone who works on our shows, um, crew members, actors, designers, and particularly actors. Um, this was our fourth year of um, gender parity. Um, I always sometimes think that if an alien only knew about uh, um, the world through um, popular entertainment, they would come here and be so shocked at how um, many women there are. Because so many plays have like two roles for women and then the rest men. Um, for four years, we've had um, at least 50% um, female identifying or trans or non-binary artists. And that's, I think, a real stride for any theater, but particularly a theater our size. Um, this past year, we also had 32% um, um, BIPOC um, cast members on our stage. Um, we are committed to having programming that represents um, not only what our community looks like now, but also where it's going. And I think you'll see in our packet that um, we've made real strides in that over the last four years. Um, we had two world premieres um, in 2022. We just closed one chipmunked by Megan Gogarty, and we opened our theater with um, a National New Play Network rolling world premiere of Eden Prairie 1971. Riverside is a core member of the National New Play Network, which is a um, national organization that supports an ecosystem of expanding the canon, particularly um, through world premieres. We're also the only Eastern Iowa theater that's a member of Theater Communications Group, which is a national service organization. Our new venue has added a lot of accessibility and increased our production quality, but it's also increased our ability to have partnerships. Um, every one of the other four organizations here we've partnered with in some way, whether it's been through providing um, space at a reduced cost or hosting Mission Creek. Um, that's been a real wonderful change um, with our new space. Um, and it's, I think, put a performing arts theater um, as a key part of this kind of cultural ecosystem that we're all trying to build. Um, since I saw you last, we've also had pretty substantial budget increases, which I think you'll see in the packet too. We've increased our staff from seven to 10. Um, we're increasing actor contracts this year from 39 to 45. That's about $70,000 that we're providing to actors um, alone in the current year, and many of them Iowa-based. Um, one of those new staff members is an education coordinator. Um, this is our first education um, staff person um, in about 10 years. 
um, one of their primary responsibilities this year is going to um, reignite our willpower program. Um, since the pandemic, our willpower program stopped going into schools and started to become a, a YouTube um, kind of webisode uh, series geared towards middle schoolers. Um, now we've been in conversation with teachers at area high schools, and we're looking to get back into, into high schools this April. Um, we're very excited about that. We're just posting a new call for teaching artists. Um, this person has also um, uh, started a new initiative with dramaturgical displays and increasing our talkbacks, basically finding more ways for um, um, patrons to engage with the art beyond just the show um, itself. Um, I did want to highlight um, one of the plays uh, this spring, and that's Fefu and Her Friends by Cuban-American um, writer uh, Maria Irene Fornes. Um, this is a seminal work um, from the 1970s of feminist literature. It's also a play that very few theaters can pull off because it requires five different performance spaces. And, um, and it was important that we were able to pull it off and also have it be accessible for all of our patrons. And so we're essentially turning as many spaces as we can into a performance venue, where at a certain point the audience is asked to split up into four and go into different rooms. And I just want to highlight that as one of the unique, um, you know, um, homegrown uh, artistic uh, experiences that, you, that Riverside provides this community. Um, uh, we are requesting a renewed support of $20,000. Um, I was uh, interested to look in the packet today and see that we're the only organization here who um, actually was receiving more funding in 2014 than we are now, which was um, a bit sobering to think about. Um, and, our, and as I mentioned, we've seen a lot of increases, not only to um, the, the ways that we, um, we serve the community, but also um, in just terms of dollars for our budgets. So um, as we are requesting uh, this renewed support, um, um, I also just want to acknowledge the challenges we face, um, that city funding when I first arrived here was about 5% of our overall budget size. Now it's about 2.5%. Um, you'll see in our um, budget that we are facing a lot of headwinds. Um, I think that John spoke um, very well to them, and I think they're affecting all performing arts orgs. Um, we, with the weir that's running now, we're finally seeing audiences return to those kind of pre-pandemic levels. But those challenges remain, and we're just so grateful for the city's continued support to help us do what we do. Adam, any questions for Adam? Huh? Is there a motion relating to their funding request? So moved. Second. Any other discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 The motion is for 20, right? All right, yes, at that, yes, at the requested level. Yes. Yes, okay. is that correct, John? No. Yeah, Same. okay. Thank Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Next up is Summer of the Arts, and we have Chase Ramey, who is the uh, board chair this year, and a number of uh, staff and board members here as well in the background. 
Welcome, Chase. Safety in numbers. Um, and Lisa, our executive director, is here, so I might call her up to answer any of the questions. She's our expert. But good afternoon. It's great to be with you. My name is Chase Ramey, and I am the chair of the board this year. My day job is the deputy superintendent here in the Iowa City Community School District. So I can appreciate the budget challenges you face um, in and out to understand the staff's recommendation, as I've made many of those myself in my role of overseeing the finances for the school district. And so often we are faced with the ask or the question to do more with less. And some of the arts, like my colleagues, find ourselves in that position as well as we come out of the pandemic and face our own funding challenges uh, with donors and finding other support. Um, as you probably know, Summer Arts program is completely free uh, to the community. All of our events are free, and so we depend on the donations to have that funding year in and year out. If we look pre-pandemic to today, while we've seen our funding decline, our number of programming hours has increased from just over 130 in 2019 to over 170 this last year of free arts and cultural programming to the Iowa City area. And we look to expand on that even more as we go into next year. Some of the arts, um, and the name is Summer of the Arts, and some of the things that people think about are Arts Fest and Jazz Fest, uh, two festivals that have not only been recognized locally, regionally, across the state, and nationally, and also internationally for the quality of the festivals that have been put on and bring people to our city. Um, on average, uh, goers to free festivals spend about $25 per person in income they bring in to other attributes of our community. And so there is that economic impact, but there's also that benefit um, overall to our greater community. And the thing that we're also doing beyond our main state festivals is really expanding that program out to other regions of the Iowa City area. And that's some of the great work that Summer of the Arts is doing to really go beyond that idea of just the summer, whether that's music on the move and taking the programming out into our neighborhoods, the movie theater, um, excuse me, the movie series across the different neighborhoods of our community. So truly trying to break away from some of those old programming models that were just here downtown to make it more comprehensive across our entire community. We provide a lot more information in, in the packet and we could talk for a long time about that. But really the, the heart of why we wanted to make a presentation today is uh, we've actually had the great privilege of having Wendy uh, sit as a part of our board for the last several years. Actually, this was our first meeting in a long time without Wendy on there. Julie has, has, has taken over. And it really speaks to the great partnership and relationship we have with the city. And so the money that the council provides some of the arts, some of that goes right back to the programming that the city does through the partnership programs that we specifically have with Parks and Rec and other, other parts of um, our, our local city government. And so you will see that our request is for a slight um, increase in our funding from $67,000 to $80,000. And, and why we make that request, even though knowing the budget is tight, is we've not seen an increase in that funding since 2013. So it's been a, a decade at that same level. As I've said, while we've expanded program by um, a number of hours and we continue to offer all of our programming free despite those challenges, um, we've enjoyed the partnership with the city and and we will continue to enjoy that, but would ask for the council's consideration of a slight increase of our funding for next year from 67 to $80,000.
Thank you. Thanks, Chase. It's actually a question for staff. Is what is what is our budget for funding these? I mean, is there? Oh boy, How's, what's the best way to answer that? I don't know yes. if it has a <laughs> um, an exact amount tied to it at this point. Um, we hear the needs, make recommendations. Yeah, typically every every year when we go through this process, um, in in most years, uh, I'd say staff is is pretty aligned with the requests yeah. that come in. Uh, clearly, we're we're just in a different financial time right now, which is what we're signaling. Um, but uh, the the numbers that you are voting on here with this committee, we then place into the budget, which the the council uh, adopts um, uh, in in March of next year. So you know specifically to Wendy's budget, it does have all these uh, th these funded um, organizations in there, and then there's a few other um, activities that we do supporting our local. Schmidt districts. Um, we fund some economic development programs as well. There's some grant programs and things like that that constitute the entire economic development budget. Well, Summer of the Arts is the organization I'm least familiar with here, so I'll I maybe have some some questions for you, Chase. Sure. Um, so, are there the scope of programming? I think that you spoke to is um, maybe, you know, not just contained within the city of Iowa City is, does the organization get support from like the city of Corville, for example? No, not currently. Or am I, am I wrong on that, Lisa? See, this is why I need to bring Lisa, right? <laughs> she has been good that conversation. Technically, we don't receive regular support from Coralville. The only thing we've done is we did do a movie there this year, okay. which they sponsored. Okay. And like we do, we've done a movie for a couple of years in Hills, which is sponsored by Hills Bank, since they're located in Hills. But no, we don't receive support from Coralville. Okay. Thank you. And the... Um, you gave a statistic, Chase, of, you know, you expect people to spend maybe mm -hmm. $25 when they come to a festival. Is that, like, in our local businesses, or is that to the vendors who are... Let me just kind of frame it this way, where I'm going with it. Like, in um, maybe Jazz Fest is an example that comes into my mind, as sometimes the food vendors and those kinds of things aren't necessarily, like, local businesses, right? Um, so is that, like, is the money that you would expect people to come and spend, is that, do we think it's staying here? Is it going to the people who are <laughs> coming no, well, in from I, out of town? Perfect. Um, I mean, I, Thanks, I don't, Lisa. I'll at least answer, <laughs> then I'll add. Um, I was just going to say, first of all, as far as our food vendors, majority of them are local businesses okay. that bend at our events. There are some that come from outside of the area, but I think that the figures from the Americans for the Arts, that is money that comes back into the community. Okay. And if you're ever downtown during Arts Fest or Jazz Fest, food vendors tend to be busy, but so are all the restaurants too. And that's something that we highly encourage is, you know, take a break, go check out one of the restaurants, you know, do a little shopping while you're downtown. So that is money that comes into our local economy. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, I don't know how my colleagues feel, I'd love to see even more of that, those partnerships with the local 
mm -hmm. local businesses. And we continue to work with the city and with Jeff specifically on, on that, as how do we ensure that as we have festivals downtown, limit road closures or making sure that there is access for people to get downtown into Iowa City. And as we set up our festivals on the streets, how do we make sure there is still that access? Because we want to be good partners, right? Yeah. We understand that that is good for everybody in the community. And so it's meant to complement some of the great things that are going on downtown, not uh, displace or replace any of them on those weekends. And I think you maybe just got it, because that was going to be my last question was about road closures, because <laughs> I think you, you folks have the most of the festivals downtown and it, it feel so full disclosure my office is three blocks up the street on right. Washington right so we feel it when that's sure. a Thursday through Sunday kind of that changed this year though for you because that was only Arts Fest uh -huh. that was closed that long we didn't close Washington until Friday morning right before the artists started coming in okay. so that was a change that we made this year and we've been doing as much as we can to shorten those road closures and we actually have already talked to the city about next year for Jazz Fest having the roads close later not doing it until Friday morning rather than Thursday afternoon keeping Dubuque Street open so we've really been conscientious about that and looking at how long does it take us to set up you know when do we actually need to close the roads and because we did purchase a lot of equipment this year and we're not relying on an outside vendor who has to set up at a certain time sure. we have a lot more flexibility with that I really appreciate that thank you any other questions Is there a motion for funding for Summer of the Arts? I will move at the recommended level. I will make a recommendation. I will move to make a recommendation to council that we fund at the recommended level. I would Staffs. second that. How many times can I say recommended? $60,000. Thank you. Okay. Sixty-seven. $67,000. <laughs> Tried to make it better, made it worse. <laughs> All right, uh, any more discussion? I just have a, and I know that we're not through everyone, but one of the themes that's coming out to me that's really, that, and I don't know if there's a place to be able to speak to this and maybe as a like, group question, is it's incredibly impressive that each group that has come up has talked about you've expanded your programming in light of you know the pandemic kind of, mm, I hate to say normalized, but at a place where people are starting to come out, right? But you're also noting that there are incredible challenges. So just as a very neutral question, why, why are you expanding at this point? And I don't mean it in a critical way at all. It's just, I'm, I'm genuinely, I have some thoughts, but I, I just would like to hear more about, because Every single, and I know that upcoming is doing the same. Everyone is saying, we're expanding, we're doing more, we're, and yet, well, I mean, our budget is shrinking, yours are. I'm just sure. curious. Um, and I can't speak for the other organizations here, but I mean, it's important. Um, this is an important piece of who we are as a community. It's an important um, avenue to provide to all of our citizens, uh, both locally and further away. And as we look at reaching the very um, diverse areas of our community, we're realizing that we need to reach out to folks in different ways than we have in the past. And so as you look 
at how we do that uh, means we have to do things differently. And uh, I think that it's part of our mission and our vision and also what we feel is our obligation as a nonprofit and a community organization here to make sure that we continue to make the arts accessible to everyone and that uh, we meet our communities where they are, not necessarily making them always come to us. And um, our staff uh, and, the, and, the, and the staffs of the other organizations have spoken have all done a tremendous job to make sure that happens. But it's that passion and that, that love for the arts and ensuring that we make it accessible to everyone. It's rethinking how we reach out to people and how we engage our community. So Chase did a great job of that. I didn't need to come back up here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other? Uh, I, I think we worked our way to a motion for 67. I'm not sure we had a second. I seconded. Oh, you did. Yeah. Thank you. Any further discussion? Well, it is, it is interesting. I mean, we see with many of our other nonprofits, a need that continues to grow um, for other reasons. This, the, you know, the, again, responding to the conditions in the community. And it is, it is frustrating to see, you know, how, f how long your funding has been flat. Um, I'm feeling a little flat-footed in responding to it, actually, in some respects. Um, but looking forward, I, I would hope we can begin to acknowledge that you know, there's a need to increase the funding if, if we can find a way to do that. Um, if for no other reason than the cost of, you know, the cost of doing business, but in addition to that, you're, you are expanding. And yet the funding has since basically 2015 or so, so quite, quite some time. Thank you. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Passes three to zero. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate the support. And last, but certainly not least, the UNESCO City of Literature Executive Director John Kenyon. I just going to these since I didn't have these when I set my materials in, so. so he comes <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to show you guys. Uh -huh. <laughs> and just for the record, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Alperitz, <laughs> as I break the microphones, apparently, uh, recusing herself because she serves on your board, as yes, I understand. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Again, uh, yeah, John Kenyon, the executive director of the City of Literature Organization. Um, so our organization represents the city of Iowa City as a UNESCO city of literature. Um, so we're a little bit different from the other organizations, but because we do so much programming and obviously are in the arts and culture sector, we're here for a reason. Um, I did want to speak to the question, and unfortunately Megan left, but the question about uh, expanding programming. We haven't necessarily expanded our programming, but we certainly have been creeping back toward pre-pandemic levels after a couple of years of doing much less or doing things differently. And I think a couple of things um, can speak to that. One is that the, the time during the pandemic allowed us to identify some needs in the community that maybe we were so 
busy doing our normal things that we had not seen, or we were able to reach out to different populations because we were doing programming in a different way, and I think it helped us to identify some needs in the community that we are probably all now trying to meet while continuing to do the things that we were doing before the pandemic. Uh, the other thing is that the pandemic forced a lot of us to be even more collaborative than we were in the past, uh, trying to figure out ways to do considerably more with less, as everyone who sat here uh, today has talked about. And those collaborations afford future collaborations or future opportunities to collaborate. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to speak to, so I handed you the program for the book festival that just wrapped up uh, last week. It seemed uh, to go on forever, but it was just two weeks. Um, but I think as I counted, we had about 40 events over the course of two weeks, and we had uh, 18 major collaborations throughout the course of that with many of the organizations that are here, uh, with the many university units, with other community organizations. And again, those opportunities to collaborate give you more opportunities to do more programming. And so I think all of us have expanded our slates uh, for those couple of reasons. So that's kind of a way to introduce talking about our organization and what we have been doing. Um, as I mentioned, we've kind of gotten back to normal with the, the slate of programs that we do, but we have also done that with uh, the application of lessons that we've learned over the last couple of years, particularly toward accessibility uh, for our programming, uh, trying to come to people where they are rather than making them come to us uh, to do a lot more things virtually. Uh, we have found that uh, both the geographic reach of our events uh, and just being able to reach people who aren't able to get out to events. It doesn't have anything to do with COVID. They just simply aren't able to get out. Uh, and we've been able to bring our programming to them because of things that we have learned over the last couple of years. And so uh, we've definitely been able to do that um, more effectively. One of the things that we have done with our programming, uh, and this certainly predates the pandemic, but I think even more so uh, now is we very much see our programming, particularly things with the book festival, is trying to contribute to the ongoing community conversation about issues that we have. So we were very mindful while we were programming to look at issues of race and inequality and education and, and things that our community is talking about and to bring people to town or to highlight people who are in town doing that work to share their message, share their wisdom on those issues so that people can re-engage with that conversation that's going on in the community with that new information. Um, you know, one of the things your former colleague, Jim Throgmorton, we had an event with him uh, talking about his book, uh, Co-Crafting the Just City. And it was a, a great conversation that ranged far beyond the pages of his book, talking about ways that uh, we here in Iowa City can make our community better. Uh, and those are the types of things that we like to um, be able to offer when we can. You know, we still will have the mystery writers who will come and, and fill the meeting room A at the library because people want to just come here from their favorite author, but we also want to make sure that we're giving people opportunities to enrich themselves, um, perhaps a little more intellectually in that way. Um, we do face challenges, as everyone here has said. Uh, we don't have a venue where we charge people to come to our events. They're almost all free. And when they are not, we are having patrons usually buy tickets at some of these partner organizations uh, to provide some of that programming. And particularly over the last couple of years, it's been more challenging to bring in funds. We typically rely on funds from folks like the city of Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty, Johnson County, uh, Grant 
grants from granting organizations that include like the State Arts Council and, and other private uh, organizations, donations, sponsorships, that's kind of the, the pie. Donations and sponsorships and some of those granting opportunities are certainly less than they were two or three years ago. Uh, I mean, we all know why, obviously, uh, a lot of priorities changed and rightly so, but it has made it more difficult for us to even maintain. We've been able to stay there, but uh, you know, we certainly appreciate the support from the city and um, you know, would ask that that continue at the level that it has been uh, to enable us to continue to do the work that we have done. Um, other than that, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, you know, one thing, we have expanded our programming in some ways. Uh, one thing, we just took over the Poetry in Public uh, program from the city of Iowa City. Uh, seemed like a great handoff for us to be able to do uh, after uh, Marsha retired and, and wanted to uh, make sure that that stayed in good hands. And so we had our first uh, season with that, and we had a wonderful event during the Iowa City Book Festival where we had about uh, 40 people who had participated in that come and read their work down at the Iowa City Public Library, and I, it felt like, for those of you who know our One Book, Two Book Festival, where people get all dressed up and have their kids come read their work, it felt like One Book, Two Book for adults. It was, you know, people brought their whole families and, and read their poems and, and really had a great opportunity to celebrate it. So it's things like that that we're continuing to look to do, uh, both partnering with the city and other organizations organizations to just make literature more accessible for people. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to mention is that we are uh, the organization that manages your designation as a city of literature, and that means helping to keep Iowa City top of mind for people around the world who think of great literary cities. Uh, I'm currently serving as the coordinator for the cities of literature at the UNESCO level, so I have to wrangle all 42 of us now and try to get us to participate in meetings and do collaborative projects and those types of things. But when I do travel overseas or talk to people uh, in different parts of the world, you know, they know Iowa City. They know Iowa City is a, a literary hub, and you know, there are many reasons for that, and we just continue to try to do that work to keep that profile high, to provide opportunities for people here in Iowa City, particularly for our writers and readers. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to continue to do that. So I'll just leave that for any questions now. Thank you, John. Yeah. I did see, uh, at least on video, the, the talk on, on Jim's book, and it was great. It was really fun to hear that. Yeah, it was a great session. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to have content available online. And as you said, not just pandemic-related, but sometimes people just can't get out, and this exactly. is the type of content that I think lent itself very well to that. Yeah, well, it's fair, fairly evergreen as well, so that people can engage with it at different points and, and still take something away from it. So. Anything else for Mr. Kenyon? I can make a motion, right? Okay, okay. I'll move to approve <laughs> the funding at the uh, recommended level. This one is 60,000. I'll second that. Any more discussion, John? All right, in favor, say aye. 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 All right. Passes 2-0 with Alter having recused herself. All right, thank, thank you very you, much. Jeff. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. We'll give Megan a minute to come back. Megan, a minute to come back in. Okay. 
I don't have much to report on the economic development front, um, but I did want to reiterate the uh, Think Iowa City's uh, tourism grant opportunity and encourage all of you to investigate that. I did see they had a nice uh, web page in inviting folks to do that. So I uh, hope you can take advantage of that. That's it for me. Yeah, just to apologize for being a, a little late, uh, coming from a different meeting, um, and sorry that I missed uh, the Engler presentation and part of uh, the film scene presentation. Just want to reiterate the, the appreciation for the partnerships and, and the contributions for all of you, uh, that, that all of you provide to, uh, to our community. Um, Certainly, we, we would hope to be in a position to be yeah, increasing your capacity to serve this uh, th this community. We hope we get there, and uh, council can be assured that uh, if uh, we feel like we have that flexibility as we make it through this budget process, we can certainly uh, will certainly share that with you. Uh, any other staff report? Just to go out of order since this is my first time running a meeting um, to reflect on all uh, of those who made their presentations and applications today just thank you as Jeff said for all the work you're doing for our community it's so phenomenal to have you um, all reiterating themes of collaboration I think the collaborative um, environment among you all in this community is is really good and has really improved in the last several years and thank you for speaking to that and highlighting that I also heard themes of meeting people where they are. So that is wonderful and certainly fits with, you know, what we're hearing from a, a lot of different different organizations um, and that you're really wanting to bring things that are relevant to our community, to the people of our community. It's not just, you know, that you're picking what you think might be the, the hot new thing, but really being thoughtful about what, uh, what people hear might want and see. So, sorry, we didn't really have any reflection on the whole no. there, so I just want to throw that in. Was there anything yeah. else from my colleagues on that? No, I would, I would just second what you said, and um, we have such, I'm so appreciative of the work of our nonprofits and, and all the ways in which they contribute to, to Iowa City, and, and those of you who are here tonight, I mean, are just fabulous. Um, you know, fabulous team in terms of providing what you do. I mean, w one of the strongest, in my view, in terms of all the various nonprofit groups that we have. So thank you for all you do. Just want to say that I was incredibly struck by the phrase um, cultural ecosystem. And to have you all in this room and to see how you each are have your own specific brand in the best possible way and flavor and niche, and yet it all does intersect and flow so well, and it literally is giving me goosebumps. So uh, just thank you, because I know it's increasingly hard in this day and age with the specifics that you talked about, but even culturally, to continue to advocate for and bring and, and present uh, the importance of arts by manifesting it. So it's just awesome. Yeah, I did want to mention, I saw the Pierre show, and I, I loved what you had to say, that it was a fabulous show, sold out, and you lost $28,000. <laughs> and sort of the story, you know, the story of, of life in Iowa City, perhaps, at this point. <laughs> Thank you all. Yes. The next item on our agenda is committee time, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I assume it's time for us Welcome to, my to present anything that we may want to speak on or sure or any questions you had or direction you might want to give that kind of thing yeah this this goes beyond the support for for um, the individual arts organizations but uh, um, you know this group does not get together very often mm -hmm. um, and so we always would welcome any uh, thoughts you had on economic development related mm -hmm. Um, actions that the city's doing. So sometimes we'll, we would update you on any grant programs that we have, um, uh, things of that nature, but, but also just welcome your feedback and your guidance as we um, are continually looking for ways to support the, the, the workforce and the, mm -hmm. the businesses and arts and culture organizations in town. Yeah, I wonder, um, just kind of thinking structurally, if there's a... Um, I don't know if our group is better or even full council, but kind of the changing landscape we're seeing with economic development organizations in our community and just kind of making sure we're being updated on that and maybe even pulling better together into some part of that conversation. I don't know what would be the um, most salient for things that we would actually be addressing, but that's something that came to my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think you, you've got you've got the ability to kind of create your own roadmap with this with this committee historically this committee has really looked at these annual funds um, that, that we have to support organizations and then has has come together to to really more heavily scrutinize the tax increment financing projects that we've done mm -hmm. um, before they go to the full council um, so um, that's not necessarily a written in stone scope. Um, if there are some, you know, uh, other updates or, or discussions you want to have, um, like you just mentioned, uh, we're happy to pull together meetings and, and present and discuss and things like that. So you guys can give that some thought. Um, we'll, we'll go back and think about the, uh, the ongoing conversations with ICAD and the business partnership and uh, think Iowa City and such and figure out the best way to, to, to bring that back to you at a time. Other committee time discussion <laughs> questions? Uh, I'm going to have to think on that, but I guess... <laughs> okay, keep thinking. <laughs> I will keep thinking, otherwise uh -huh. I've got a year. Well, I, you know, I hadn't... Hopefully I don't, not. I don't recall that... that agenda item the last time but yeah actually based on what Jeff was just describing perhaps we could give give that some thought mm -hmm. good I'd be in favor of um, convening more mm -hmm. you know to talk whatever we can that's helpful mm -hmm. to move economic development things along or bounce ideas yeah well, one thought that that we've had um, you know is we're systematically we're working our way through the um, uh, the ARPA grants again. How how we're distributing the 18 million that we received as a community. Um, I think you're generally aware that we were prioritizing some of the more urgent uh, the matters that that you identified through that process. But we did have um, a business, arts and culture, tourism support mm -hmm. um, category. We've only we started with the the grants that I think Iowa City is offering that Wendy mentioned. Um, but we hope to still have some more capacity to do some things w with those dollars to support the business community and the arts and culture community. So that could be something as we look to 2023 that, that the three of you could help shape before we take anything uh, to, the, uh, to the city council. And I think we did, did we do 250,000? Was that that allocation to think I was city or is that a different? No, that was maybe their 
Um, I, I believe it was um, 125 for the grant program and 125 for the um, lost hotel motel okay. revenue. So, so I half. think the grant program is 125, I think. Okay. Yeah. Of that 250. Of the 250. What was total. the total kind of range that we'd um, talked about for that category? Um, Give me a give me a minute. I can. Probably you don't know. That that's, up. That's, that's okay. Uh, Sounds like maybe we're adding something to a future agenda or talking about. I mean, do you guys need direction from us on time frame or frequency? Are you comfortable suggesting when we convene again if it's not relating to a specific timely proposal? Yes, certainly. Um, uh, we could. I, th I think the logical time might be um, shortly after you get through budget, um, so early, early, um, you know, February, Marchish of next mm -hmm. year, um, unless there's something that comes up that's more urgent. Um, we had uh, about a million uh, was envisioned for um, the category of small business, arts, culture, and tourism investments, and so 250 of that's been committed. So we still have a, a little bit of room. Mm -hmm. Again, understanding that. All these buckets have to mm -hmm. interplay, right. and we're, we're spending over in some, and we're spending under in some. So that million's not a hard number, but that was the rough estimate. And again, those those funds are really to carry us through 2026. So mm -hmm. um, uh, we have some time to to figure that out. But clearly, you know, you're hearing today, and no surprise, I'm sure that the needs. The need's strong, and uh, I think uh, your local businesses would tell you the same. Anything else for committee time or segue other business? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else from staff? No? Okay. Uh, motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor, say aye. 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 We are adjourned. Thank you.